Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had a post I was going to talk about on Facebook and then I started reading the comments on it. <laughs> oh man, if this is your first time joining us, thank you so much for being here. We are a happily married couple of, uh, we're in our 14th year now, aren't we? I don't remember. Okay, I think we're in our 14th year of marriage. Um, and because we just celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary. Yes. In August. Yes. And we have quick four children. Ages 10 through 3, although we're in birthday seasons now, so that's all going to start changing here really soon. Yes, and, um, it is. We, our 10-year-old turns 11 in less than two weeks. Actually, yeah, about a week and a half. Uh, so I think that makes him officially a preteen, which is wild. He's not a preteen. An eleven-year-old? No. Is for sure a preteen. Nope, not happening. Yep. Nope, I'm in denial. Okay. I'm not ready for the preteen action at all. Ready okay. or not, you're gonna have a preteen girl soon. Don't like it. Can't stop it. Too late. Preteen girl. She's cute though. You know what? I know that we've talked about this before, but I have. <clears throat> So many people in my life who find the teenage years delightful instead of this thing to be suffered through, which at some level, all of childhood and all of life is this thing to be suffered through. But the way that your kids develop and emerge as people who are able to have coherent conversations about thoughtful things and be just be emerging as the future people who ideally will be our friends when they're who like hanging out with us when they're grown up they're they're starting in their teenage years they're starting to emerge into that and so this scary suffer through it they're terrible people uh thing is uh something that i would like to avoid just even the outlook. Well, of. I'm not I'm not saying that I don't want my kids to be that I'm I'm afraid they're going to be teenagers. What I'm saying is I don't want them to grow up and leave the house. You know how quiet our house is going to be without any kids? They are so <laughs> I do. noisy. I do. I know. <sighs> I know. Did you how many times this morning did I ask them at the breakfast table to stop yelling? That was last night at dinner. It was this morning too. Oh, I didn't. Miss, I missed it all this morning. You were talking about last night at dinner. It was both. I've got this weird side ache going on underneath my cramp, underneath my rib cage. Maybe you're my, pregnant. No, I get these every now and then, and they kind of hurt because it's kind of like ah, oh, there's a muscle under there. Um, yeah. So Thanksgiving is tomorrow, mm-hmm. and Molly's trying out a brine recipe. So we've got two turkeys sitting in the cooler right now. And we're going to smoke them. My brother-in-law a couple of years ago brought a smoked turkey to a family Thanksgiving. And my mom still kept doing, I love my mother, she just did her standard oven turkey. Which is great. Which is great. But, yeah, even she said, mm, smoked turkey's the way to go. Well, and it wasn't just the smoking of it. It was the the fact that it had been brined for like three days. And I think he used, yeah, and I think, I think Dave used uh, just Traeger's. No, he'd gotten the recipe from a friend. Oh, did he? But, but so I'm using a brine recipe that interestingly doesn't have any salt in it. Yeah, but you guys, guess what? This is the coolest part about the whole recipe. It gets injected 
with melted butter and garlic. Garlic salt. So that's where the salt comes in is the <gasps> garlic salt and melted butter. Anything that, this, that gets injected this with melted butter is and garlic land. salt. This guy, though, he takes it a little over the top. So we're going to do the injection with melted butter and garlic salt. And then you rub the outside of it with olive oil and sprinkle it with all sorts of spices, which we can probably go with a more standard one. He mixes like Lowry's and Morton's. Like he mixes a whole bunch of different ones, which seems I've a little excessive to me. I've got some of that really great meat church stuff up and there too. And then he puts a stick of butter in the cavity of the turkey while yes. it roasts. That doesn't make sense to me. I feel like the stick of butter is just going to melt and drip into the drippings thing. And then our dogs and our cat are going to eat it. We don't need to feed our cat and dogs melted smoked butter we though smoked on our butter tel- have we tried smoking butter yet i don't think you can smoke butter i don't know somebody okay. out there's gonna try google it <laughs> i i know you can smoke things like apple crisp and they're phenomenal your mom actually has done like crisps and cobblers in the trigger oh yes wonderful i posted that i was the picture of our brine turkey on telegram and got some interesting several other people smoke their turkeys one guy named Eric does his in a giant cast iron pan. Which 17, what is we have I, have, a, I have this posted, 17 one, inch cast iron skillet, you guys. We have one that size at the cabin that we inherited we have a with 17 the cabin. Inch? Yes, we have a giant, we have Stinker a cast iron one huge. that's like this big up at the cabin. So you could do, you could probably do a 15, 17 pound turkey in that. The turkeys that I have are both 18 that's pounds. That's crazy. So I am debating. We've never spatchcocked. Do you even know what that is? It's a way of cutting. Sounds it. dirty. It's a way I'm of. Kidding. It's a way yes. of of you cut like the backbone or something and then flatten it out so mm-hmm. it cooks more evenly. Especially because you don't want to overcook breast meat and it cooks faster than the dark meat because of the lower fat content and so it it helps it cook more evenly. It's just not a super pretty presentation and. Another it's not thing a super pretty word. that was a it's a fun word. Another thing that was an interesting thing that spatchcock, I think spatchcock, you guys, the definition is a foul split and grilled, usually immediately after being killed and dressed. Well, this is not immediate, but Eric, the same guy who does the chicken in the cast mm-hmm. iron or turkey in the cast iron, he said that another <clears throat> recipe that intrigues him is one where it's done. In a shallow roasting, in a shallow pan, so it gets more air circulation than in a roasting pan, which we have, like the giant Nordic wares that we could do that in, over pizza steels, which we have. We have two, which is like a pizza stone, only it's literally like a quarter inch thick thing of steel. So that intrigued me. And there's a little part of me that's toying with the idea of doing one turkey in the oven and one turkey on the Traeger, just to mix things up, but... I assume both on the Traeger. We yeah, Traeger. they'll both. We it. have a giant Traeger. They'll both fit as long as it doesn't run out of pellets, which I have. A I once bought a sixty-pound roast hog and cut it in half and roasted half the hog on the Traeger. We've got we the, can we've do got the two largest. We got that pro, an older. We've got an older pro, thirty-four, and I really want to replace it with uh, a Yoder smoker, but it still works. So. <clears throat> I, it's hard to spend the money on something. Uh, yeah, something and I, you know, if, 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 I've, yeah, it's just still working, which is funny because all of my friends, and it, it is falling apart. I've lost a, I've lost a hinge. I've lost. But it still works. It still works. Um, yeah. So for those of you that wanted to know the recap of 
the judo tournament. We were in Dallas last week, as I mentioned on the show. Um, it was a great, it was a super fun tournament. Um, the whole process of checking in and weighing in was just a disaster. Like it was just epically disastrous. You couldn't make it more of a disaster. Everybody somehow got weighed in, but you're imagine leaving a concert or going to a or leaving a sports stadium or anything like that. And that's what it's like weighing in. You stand in this massive crowd of 300 some odd participants with their parents in a hotel lobby upstairs and everybody's smashing to try to get up front. And, you know, people are trying to work their way through the crowd and get into it. It's like, what in the world? And part of the problem is you have a whole bunch of uh, combative athletes, which... Literally combative. Literally combative. But they've also... Not have not eaten. They're trying to cut weight. They haven't eaten in three or four days. Like wrestlers, the aggressive guys are trying to get in at the lowest weight that they can. So they're literally doing exactly what wrestlers do. So you have all these super hangry combat athletes that just want to get through the line, get weighed in, and so they can stuff their faces full of food. But it was a massive pile of people. And it was, they only had four. They were divided by gender, obviously, because sometimes I guess you still need to have gender issues. Um, they were not only divided by gender because well, no, at for this weigh-in, level, you, yeah. you compete against people who are your same gender. Right. But so, you also, do they make the girls strip down? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. You strip down into your underwear. In so, front of everybody? Or yeah. did they have like a private closet? Well, that's what I'm trying to get to. Oh. They split the weigh-in rooms between male and female, and there was only four scales per room. And then they're like, we get up there and they're like, oh, are you doing the President's Cup? Because you weigh, you're weighing in for two tournaments at one time. They're like, well, are you doing the President's Cup and IJF? Yes. And the IJF is the USA Judo uh, National Championship um, tournament. And they're like, okay, so, well, you need to tell this guy. And so you've got one guy sitting at a laptop punching in things, and you've got another guy for another tournament with a hand thing. Okay, what's your name? Flipping through the thing. Do you have a USA Judo card? Do you have... And I'm like, all this stuff is online. All, like, like his belt rank, his USA Judo card, all that stuff is online. All you need is some sort of scale that can't be manipulated. Put all of this... I mean, the solution here is obvious, but I don't know... <laughs> I was telling this to Alex, our uh, coach's, competition coach's son, who was also competing. And he said, do you know how hard it, you know how easy it is to cheat a scale? You know, all you got to do is have your teammate like lift up on a corner and you can lose a half a pound on the scale. You know, it's, it's not a problem. But so your teammate you need, isn't standing there, right? No, not in this case. So that's why they're, they're having to keep from people, to keep people from cheating on the scales. If they're monitored, they're official, they're all super things. So if you could find a way to do a scale that's not manipulated, I had this whole, like, I had this whole plan on my head, you know, you could use web three applications to just automate this whole stinking thing you could probably even automate without web three because then you're going well now where am i competing so they they assign the brackets that night and then they upload them to the website and they tell everybody to go to the website to look at them so you've got coaches running around now who have multiple players and running around trying to get everybody where they need to go track progress figure out what the heck is going on what mat are we on what match are we on and it's just it's a you, you it's just a mess. Like you didn't know anything. Like it was this is a mess. That sounds really stressful to <laughs> me. So anyway, long story short, it was a, uh, otherwise it was a super fun event. All of the, you know, lots of Olympians running around, you know, US judo, you know, uh 
By Olympians, you mean people who yeah, Marty in the Malloy, past. Marty Malloy, Nick people Del Popolo. Com- nobody. These, that doesn't mean anybody to anyone. Yeah, I'm saying Anything judo people that competed in the Olympics. I know. I'm just US saying Olympic anybody team. listen to our podcast, those names mean nothing to. Yeah. Well, now they can look them up. Travis okay. Stevens, they're all there. It is fun to watch judo mat competition, Olympic competitions on YouTube. But and so, so Jr. is talking about past Olympians who are not competing in this tournament, but who are but now, who have either students or they're right. doing rep, you know, just good for the sport type representative stuff. So a lot of them have their own students that they're now they're running their own schools and doing their own thing. Um, long story short, Titus won one match out of five and simply could not even remotely compete on the national level. And which I told we knew him, was true. Which we yeah, I. I knew that was going to be true, but I didn't think it was going to be as... Resounding? Yeah, I thought maybe there would have been a little bit of battle, a little bit of fight. But no, like, they walked in, they bowed. Not necessarily. He yes. had a couple of decent... Well, he had one match where he won and one match where he fought a little bit that he lost. But all the other ones were... His opponent comes up, does drop Seonagi, and, and he's out in four seconds. And that was... Yeah, it was really depressing. And that honest. was just like, wow. You know, and so some of it's trying to... And I, I talked to him a little bit about this this morning um, over breakfast. I said, it's not really worth it to drive down there to have you get waxed in four seconds. It's a waste of your time, waste of my time, waste of the other player's time. We're taking him a bracket spot in a non-competitive league. It doesn't make any sense. But he won everything in Salt Lake. And then competed against one kid in his weight category who he had one mistake that I couldn't correct because I didn't know what the correction was. Um, in Denver. You in mean. Denver. And he lost every match, you know, all three matches to this kid in Denver. It was like, or two match, three. Um, he competed in the other weight category and did a little bit better. So it's like, I, I've, I was telling somebody about this the other day. There's just, it seems to be this competition gap where... You know, you, you, <laughs> this competition gap where you might wax everybody, you know, on the regional level or the local level. Uh, but then the moment you try to level up from that, there's, there's no competition. Like you have to change. And so it's, you've got to. Is there, do you have a problem with being a regional competitor? Like he's. We're no. not taking him to the Olympics. No, I don't have a problem. So with why being... do we have to compete on the national level when we can just have fun well, we don't. doing? We don't. The reason within the one reason, day drives, and we've talked about this. We haven't. We haven't actually hashed it out to my satisfaction. Okay. The reason, well, let's hash it out right now. The reason <laughs> I wanted to go is because one, Titus is really, really interested in it and really loves doing it. Like, and I and I talked to our competition coach who has competed on the international level. His son was nationally ranked two years ago before COVID. Sorry, internationally ranked two years ago before COVID, like number three in the U.S. Um, and to figure out what, you know, what does this look like? If Titus wanted to put in some time, what does it look like? Um, and so part of this was knowing what the competition is. Now Titus knows how they're going to play. Now he can decide if he wants to train at that level or not. But he, he could. He could. He how? absolutely could. How? I live in Billings, Montana. Yeah. He's got the coach and the desire. Alex did the same thing. Okay. Alex has done the same thing, you know, so it's not like those, so, you know, opponents or whatever, that that can be those things. And I talked to Josh about this. Some of those things can be solved. But he did say that because we live in Billings, Montana, we will always be at some sort of, some sort of deficit. But 
So one reason was Titus is really interested, really wanted to go. And I didn't see any harm in doing it at least once to see what, you know, now we know what the competition's like. Now we know what level he'd need to play at. Two, this might be the only the only one left that Josh and our competition coach and his son Alex go to. So we had sort of a team vibe going on mm. that Titus could be part of part of that root for somebody else from his school on his team um, and kind of get that get that experience. Um, so that was those are the two three primary reasons that I you know he really wanted to go. We wanted to see what the competition level is and how how it worked out, and then it could be like the last time he could go with anybody else. So, um, you know, I'm not been there, done that. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna commit to anything, obviously. But I mean, even even Coach Josh said, you know, I, he expressed interest in in being willing to work with Titus on that level if Titus wanted to work on that level. Um, and it's just, I don't know. Like, he's he's only 11. It's not like... Some of these kids, you know, after a while, you just you see the same two throws, and it's like, it's just... It kind of all starts to look the same. So there's definitely a difference between, like, competitive, uh, official, formal competitive judo and non-competitive sport judo. It's the same judo, but your your approach and your focus is in two very different areas so um anyway yeah so we'll plan out and see and see how how 2022 looks we'll plan out some tournaments and maybe do a national one what's nice about this one is there were two at one time so it's not like you're driving to one single event lose two matches drive home you know you don't want to do that but you drive to one place Compete four matches. Compete twice, five (laughs) matches, and would have been more if you'd won more, you know, obviously. But you you're able to compete in more matches than just than just the one. So, but the other quite the other thing we were figuring out. I feel like this conversation is going to get boring for other people. Okay, well, I'll wrap up. with Think that many people are interested in our. I'll wrap. I'll wrap up with this. That well, I think a lot of people. Actually, I disagree. I'll bet a lot of our listeners, and you guys can tell me if this is true or not run into the same deliberations with how much to get involved in their children's sports, how hard to push them, how far to go, how to make decisions based around what they want to do, those sorts of things. That, to me, is this conversation. But it does seem like there's a novice category at these particular things. But I haven't figured out what was going on because I won't go into the details, but I'm led to believe that there was... Uh, some sort of novice option that was not available to me online, and I don't know why. So I'd have to probably follow. So up. you think Tito could have competed against less competitive kids not, at the same yes, event? Yes, I do. I have not told Titus that. Josh told me not to. But I think one of the kids that he's been competing with on his weight bracket and everything else was competing in a totally different bracket during the national tournament. He was not competing in Titus's bracket. So I'm kind of, I just started, made me scratch my head a little bit. Interesting. Um, so anyway, that was our, that was our trip. Um, the van obviously again was super awesome. Um, although I'm, I'm kind of, I haven't told you this either, Molly. I'm done traveling in the van until I get cabinets and water and heat hooked up. <laughs> it's just, there's too much stuff everywhere. Like there's bins of crap, you're cooking. And, and there's you're only like, two of you. And Yeah, and there's only two of us. And I'm like, ah, oh, I, I, all my dishes are dirty, but it's 12 degrees outside. I don't want to go like, and I have no camp water. It's not like I can go over to the faucet and wash something in the camp faucet because we're not at a campground. You know, we're traveling around. 
And uh, this is where your dad and, and uh, Ty started mocking me a whole bunch last night. So I was like, I'm, I'm going to go home. Um, <laughs> anyway, so I'm just, I, I want to get, I want to get that stuff done this winter. So it's, it's far more. So we've got places to put things and ways to clean things and wash things and heat. My buddy gave me a little propane. I don't know if you guys have seen these Mr. Heater, one pound bottle propane heaters. Went through two a night um, on high because uh, the heater just didn't put out a ton of heat, you know, and it was like super cold outside, but it only lasts about four hours, five hours a bottle. So I had to get up, change the bottle out. It would have been fine the first night had I realized that and set my alarm mm. without waking up because it got cold enough that it woke me up. That sounds miserable. nothing, nothing froze, um, which was nice. Nothing froze in the van, but it's, it's just, awfully cold before you get to freezing. Yeah, it's just, it's cold. In the van. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's the recap from our Dallas trip. And if you stay tuned in and keep subscribed, you'll find out how the rest of our our lives go, our lives go in the judo world. <laughs> and just in general. Uh, I am curious what people are giving their kids for Christmas and if they have any gifts that they feel like are really home runs that they give. The thing that made me start thinking of this is our niece, who is six months minus one day younger than faith so she just turned three in early november and i was trying to figure out what to give her and i decided to do a themed present so i gave her a little doll sized tea set actual ceramic knowing that if it's like our household they'll all be broken soon but an actual ceramic tea set and the books bread um oh what's the I don't know if you guys know Lillian Holgan's books, the Francis series. I loved them when I was little. There's Bread and Jam for Francis, and I can't remember the rest of them. But the book, A Bargain for Francis, she's this little badger. Uh, She has a friend who's always, uh, what does her mom say? Francis's mom says, We've talked about this on a previous show. Have we? So Mm -hmm. be careful, because whenever you play with this friend... You always, you always, she always takes advantage of you, essentially. And so in this, this story, spoiler alert, but it's a good story for kids. The, the friend convinces Francis to spend the money she's been saving for a ceramic tea set to buy a cheap plastic one. And then the friend knows that the candy store down the street is selling the the ceramic tea set that Francis is saving up for at exactly the amount of money minus 10 cents or something that Francis has. And long story short, Francis ends up getting the tea the tea set that she actually wants because she has to trick her friend back. And the moral of the story is if you want to be a good friend and not always have to be careful and cautious hanging out with me, be a good friend and don't me have to be careful and cautious hanging out with right. you. But so I got that book and a ceramic tea set and then the book series Mr. Putter and Tabby is this very sweet series. He's an older man, which I think is why I like it is because it gives kids empathy into the life of an older person who lives by himself. And he in the wintertime, he stares out the window with his cat named Tabby and remembers back when they were young and agile and did fun things. And now they just sit inside and be sentimental, but then they still have these misadventures, most of which happen to do, happen to 
at the instigation of Mr. Putter's next door neighbor, Mrs. Teaberry, and she has a dog, a French bulldog. Anyway, there's a there's a Mr. Putter makes the tea or pours the tea book that I also gave. And then I gave them her also some tea that's a oh what's it called? It's Thai as in T H A I butterfly pea tea and it's a flower and it's blue and it's it it it's a magical thing but then strikes the nerdy science loving parent note because the butterfly pea flower tea is a ph indicator and when you add acid to it in the form of lemon if you're going to make lemonade or add lemon to your tea it turns it pink so it's a deep blue tea that turns pink when you add lemon to it, and it seems magical to little kids, but there's actually science involved. Red cabbage is also a pH indicator, but it doesn't taste very good as tea. So I gave the complete package along with the instructions of how to do that. So books about tea parties, a tea set, and uh, the magical tea. And I'm thinking for Christmas of giving this niece a a play kitchen baking set and a Mr. Putter and Tabby book about baking a cake and then maybe a baking, a scone baking kit or something, a mix and possibly also a homemade apron. But I've now taken on a lot of sewing projects, most of which I'm going to have to do after the kids go to bed because I want to make them all duffel bags for Christmas. And I'm taking a little bit of a risk here because I'm waiting for Hobby Lobby to put that fabric that I like to, mm-hmm. that I want to use on sale mm-hmm. sometime in the next couple of weeks. But anyway, curious if other people have a standard gift that they give to a certain age set because they uh, just think it's such a great gift. All right. So <laughs> I was reading World's Sift this morning. The cartoon was a turkey standing in the spotlight, and you can see just on the side of the spotlight, Santa Claus's lower body. And the turkey's like, hey, now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still the star of the show. I I feel like that just happened. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving, and you're like, Christmas presents. Because then I was like, well, if anybody has any Nintendo Switch games, my kids don't listen to the show, let me know. Because they really wanted to switch, so we decided to buy them one, but I don't have any games for it. So if you guys have games or recommendations... Game recommendations, Or even you want to get rid of a bunch that you like, call me, text me or something, and I'll uh, I'll give you the contact information at the end of the show. Uh, Let me know, and then I'll buy them from you. Uh, Anyway, so... uh, do you want to move on to some Thanksgiving stuff? Those Yes, we had asked people to share things that they were thankful for. Or things that where they had seen God working. Yes. Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So do you have anything pulled up? Not currently. All right. Here, start. What we'll do is we'll read through the comments. Um, we'll read through the comments and uh, Molly will read the ladies' comments. I'll read the men's comments. Ooh. And um, here's the first one from Catherine. Okay. Uh, Catherine says, thankfulness story. For many years, I have felt the Lord calling me to the mission field. I couldn't imagine doing anything else this year. The Lord answered my prayers and the prayers of many others by abundantly and speedily providing the funding needed and bringing me to 
to the mission field to serve in Liberia with the Rafiki Foundation as the assistant dean of their small teacher training college. I'm so deeply, deeply grateful to the Lord for giving me this opportunity to serve his kingdom, and I feel completely undeserving of it. But isn't that how God works? Using what is weak and foolish, that his power might shine through and that he might receive all the glory. This Thanksgiving and Christmas are bittersweet because of being so far from friends and family, but it is such a good reminder of what we are eternally destined for, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and living in perfect community with God and with our brothers and sisters. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. And this is Catherine, who just, I remember on just, she's only been there a couple months. I remember watching her on her Instagram stories, flying over there. And Catherine is also doing our wall sit challenge all the way over in Liberia, which is super fun to me. (laughs) I often, Catherine, you should know this. I often actually, when we're filling out our chart and my kids are like, who's that? Who's that? And I point out on the map. This person on our chart is all the way over in Liberia. So thank you for providing our kids not only a geography lesson, but a God's world is both big and small I like it. lesson. Well, Davis writes, one thing I am thankful for is a family and church community that cares about me. I see so many people around me that need that and have nowhere to turn in rough times. I'm very blessed to have a community of people that would be happy to come around me in tough times. Yes. That's great. That's fantastic. It is truly a blessing. And mm-hmm. who have I been... I was talking to somebody recently. Oh, I know who it is, but I'm not going to mention her name. But I was talking to somebody about church community and exactly that. And the challenge in our culture, because it's so rare, is to lower your expectations and to not have that sort of expectation from a church community. And that's kind of like... In our current economy, uh, lower your expectations about inflation. <laughs> Look for the silver lining. That's that. Uh, no, <laughs> keep your expectations high and be grateful uh, because it truly is a blessing. Let's see. Kathy says I received a bonus this year, which is super rare for a nonprofit. At the same time, we were in the market for a car, and wouldn't you know it, the price for the car was the exact amount of the surprise bonus. She says, I love how God works. That reminds me of um, a friend of ours at church who had one of those funny stories, just like that, where like two or three things kind of all come together, and all of a sudden, like, it just, it super works out. You know, and you're like, what? Come on. So anyway, the the next two are are both women, um, and uh, Molly will pull up Claudia's. I'm sure that's what I was and just then, working on. Uh, yeah, go ahead and do that, and then I'll hand hand you the tablet. Well, I'm handing her the tablet because I've collected most of them here on my on your device. tablet. Claudia says, "I'm thankful for seeing the spark back in my husband after ten plus years of working together at our church. He returned to the HVAC company he previously worked for." 12 years. He loves his work and seems more alive and satisfied. He was faithful to give where a need was. He took a church facility manager position for a man crippled by rheumatoid arthritis and now finds himself back in his happy place, which is fantastic to have served well at cost to yourself, but then feel God's, was it Eric Liddell says he feels God's pleasure when he runs and feel God's pleasure in the work that he gives you to do. Mm-hmm. 
And then finally, another Anna. one. Okay, mm-hmm. Anna says, "I have a family. I look forward to coming home to. We are functional, even close. I'm thankful I only live four hours away and look forward to spending all holidays with them, which is also rare. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly, it is, and something to be thankful for. Both that you have a functional family. Well, lots of things that you have a functional family." That you like being around your functional right. family, and that you even have family to begin with. That I think there's a lot of people in the world who don't have family or friends that they call family, and the loneliness and uh, resulting mental health issues in the U.S. have only gotten worse Oof. in the last year. I mean, the statistics were really bad prior to the pandemic. The statistics are really, really bad in terms of the number of people who literally can't name a person they would consider a friend. It's something like 10 to 20% of millennials can't name somebody that they would call if they had a need, which is, it's tragic because as Davis pointed out, we were designed to live in community and be dependent on people. And so to not have people that you can depend on creates Obviously, there's a lot of issues if you, not if, when you actually have needs, physical needs, as well as anxiety for knowing that you don't have a fallback for when you do have those needs, as well as just we're designed to not live alone. We're designed. If, if you guys want to know where most of these conversations are happening right now that Molly's referring to, it's on Telegram. And I'll include the Telegram group link, uh, the chat link in the. Uh, show notes so you can join that telegram group um molly this is not a question i want to ask because it's going to come back around to me and uh but what are you thankful for this year i am thankful for our family i'm trying to be deliberately grateful for our kids and their joy and their exploration and even when that's loud and creates giant headaches for me uh while you were in dallas i deliberately did not do traditional school but let the girls pick out crafts at Hobby Lobby and do their own thing which created a lot of delight and exploration and finding new skills that especially Lily our creator has creator with a small c a creative girl not our creator she, uh, and and yet it was it created a lot more stress because Elise is mad that she can't keep up and Faith is mad that she can't keep up and anyway I'm grateful that I was reminded by somebody to to bless our girls by letting them exercise their gifts, even though it was stressful to me. And I, I have a couple friends who are those people that Davis was talking about, or I was just talking about, that care about me and check in with me and listen to me, and I'm really grateful for that. The reason I've been struggling with it is it's it kicked off with Claudia's and now has continued with your comment just now. Like so much of my um how do I say this? It's been a se- for me it's been a season of loss and or just continued recognition of, of things that um I have desire for good desire but just god's chosen not to fulfill so i am deliberately um fostering or have been trying to foster a thankfulness for just my place in life and where i'm at 
And um, who God is to you in the midst of that. Yes. And so that's been kind of my, cause I mean, like, you know, I obviously, I sent out, you know, four different applications for interesting web three stuff and several companies, but you know, it, it's like the judo thing. It's like, I'm limited in what I can do in Billings, Montana, even in a wildly remote world. And, you know, my resume is not, is not particularly impressive in really anything. <laughs> and so it's, it's just kind of funny because there's just, there's no market here. There's no market there. It's just, it's like one of those things. And, um, but I'm also really thankful that I don't, um, that God still provides even in the midst of all that, that I'm not like destitute. So, um, you know, and then the friends thing, I don't think except for Ty, yeah, I don't think I've had a single person in in uh, in my Billings world call me in about three months or text me mm-hmm. or just check in and say hi. You want to go grab something to drink? Yeah. Or you want to go grab lunch? Which is non-existent. Everybody just dropped off the planet. So that's been really weird. And hard. And hard because people are weird and hard. So uh, yeah. Anyway, so my thankfulness is a deliberate focus on uh, yes the gifts that God has given me today and who he is in the midst of all of that and everything that I do, I do have, you know, I've got a grandpa who's taking Titus out. Titus didn't get a deer yesterday. Those of you on telegram would know this, but we went out hunting for the first time. Titus is part of the apprentice program. And we saw four bucks, four does and one fawn. And we're really only shooting the bucks because the property owner, um, would rather shoot those because, you know, one buck can take care of a whole herd not a big deal um but he missed he he couldn't get set up in time for a nice that was, point by the way that was a conversation point where i deliberately chose to not have birds and bees educational opportunity with the kids <laughs> yes <laughs> when you yes. were telling the kids that we're shooting bucks and not does <laughs> we're not we're not going to talk about that right now and anyway he missed a, a really nice and these are white tail we're we're in a tree stand and he missed uh he couldn't get his gun set up in time to shoot a a nice three-point. Grandpa also wanted him to point his gun. He was hoping the buck would walk across and for a better shot. Mm. But he, later, he's like, ah, I should have had him come over to my window and just shoot him right in the chest. Um, and then Titus did get a shot off on a mini buck, what we call those little ones that barely have any horns. Um, <laughs> totally. He didn't totally miss. We saw this tuft of white hair, and the, and the deer ran off. And we're like, Whoops. you must have just like... Just grazed That's not a the, total miss. That's a near miss. The, grazed the fur there, the hair, because we don't, we didn't. He was, he wasn't injured at all. Just right above. So we're kind of thinking he jerked, which happens when you're when. See, I mean, it's his first one. You're yeah. shooting. He's a good shot, so I'm not worried about that. It's just, you know, he jerked. It's his first time. Yeah, it's his first time. So, little things like that to be thankful for, which is fun. Hey, so I was as I was scrolling through looking for those thank. Uh, collecting those thankfulness things. Um, Eric mentioned that he's also injecting his turkey with uh, Worcestershire sauce. And Worcestershire sauce. <sighs> Worcestershire sauce. That wasn't. We had a whole show was, on this. That you was guys. Matthew. That was, was it Matthew. Yeah. Beer and beer. Yeah. Should we do some beer with our butter and garlic no. salt? No. No. Bourbon. No. No. I actually, the bourbon one, the recipe I'm using called for an apple, a Jim Beam apple bourbon, but I'm so cheap, it kind of hurts me to to put a large quantity of alcohol in like a brine that I'm just going to pour out. 
and beer is not gluten-free and we have gluten-free people coming to join us but i actually have two more things oh we do that inspired me wanting to share the how god works thing one is a friend of my mom's has a son who has left the faith and he was in the military stationed in afghanistan and called her several months ago very upset because his interpreter and his family could not get out of Afghanistan, which is not surprising. But for someone who was uh, recruited by the military and used specially by them because he was so intelligent and aced all of these placement tests, like, off the charts. So whatever he did over in Afghanistan was was special and he probably had a really close relationship dependent relationship on his interpreter and he called his mom and said mom i need you to pray that my interpreter can get out and his family and so she was like happy to pray and she prayed faithfully for this interpreter and he was able to get out but not his family and her son called her back and said okay, your praying is working. Will you now pray for his family to get out? And the last, this is a story from my mom, and I'm not 100% clear on the details, but the last I remember hearing from her, most of his immediate family had actually gotten through all of the barricades in one of those, or the checkpoints in one of those amazing God only God could have closed the eyes of people who would would have wanted harm to come to them and at one point uh they stopped I think it was his wife and children and the wife's mom the interpreter's family and they stopped and the wife's mom got all up in the checkpoint people's faces and was like would you mean to tell an old lady that she can't come through here and they let her go and I don't I don't know if they're in the states or where they are, but as far as I know, this this young man's military man's interpreter and family are in a safe place and he was a little bit shaken in the best possible way that his mom's prayers had you know, the, the prayers of a righteous person are powerful mm-hmm. and effective. And after uh, having written off his mom's faith as silly and meaningless and pointless for so many years to find himself in a place of asking her to pray and then to find himself in a place of being baffled that the impossible seemed to have happened was making him second guess some of his assumptions about... <clears throat> his mom's faith and I don't think it turned him around and he was with the Lord. But my second story is a, a long, uh, a long obedience in the same direction to steal a Eugene Peterson phrase. But, um, my, one of my good friends was widowed with, she was pregnant with their first son in 2005, my last year of seminary. And, her husband was a believer, but none of his family was. And they all thought that she was the kind of kooky, <laughs> weird Christian who had turned their very pleasant, nice son into a kooky, weird Christian. And so at his funeral, they tolerated her faith and hope, you know, hope in the resurrection and things like that. 
And she's maintained relationship with a lot of different broken parts of her first husband's family. And she is now remarried, has several young kids uh, with her second husband. And this last... Oh, I wonder if that's my dad here to pick Titus up. I'll hurry through this. This last... About a month ago, uh, her... The, her first father-in-law was life-lighted to Billings from a farming community, and he was in the hospital with a cascading strokes and heart, heart attacks and things that they couldn't figure out quite what was going on, and they thought he was going to go fast, and all of his, his wife wasn't able to drive down in time from, from the Canadian border, and he has two daughters, one of whom couldn't get across the Canadian border. The other was way over on the East Coast. And so she, with God having brought them back to live in Billings, uh, was the only person who could go be with him. And not knowing what else to do or say, she just read scripture to him. And he uh, indicated, even though he wasn't in a great place mentally, that he found it very comforting. And then she had to leave town. And so her dad went in the next, over the weekend, and just spent time with him because being in a hospital alone is weird and scary and lonely. And and so she uh, she and her dad took turns visiting him and reading him scripture and encouraging him. And he was stabilized for a while and they were talking about getting him into a rehab facility. And then he took a dramatic turn for the worse a little under three weeks after he'd been life flighted down here. And she was, again, the only one who could be visiting him. And, well, the rest of his daughters actually were flying in, and his wife drove down from the High Line. And they, um, on Wednesday, she texted me and said, he has asked to be baptized. Would you pray that I could get someone in to baptize him? And the next day was a Thursday, and... She, like, by early afternoon, she was like, by all appearances, he's made a credible profession of faith, and he's been baptized, and his extended, his daughters and his wife were a little bit baffled, but grateful, and he remained, his body was clearly failing. They put him on palliative care, which... Essentially, they said he'll he's going to be dead in the next 24 hours. And yet he was, she said he was lucid and he was joking about things and he was very pleasant company. And, uh, you know, she, they sang the doxology over him when she said goodnight on Thursday night. And by Friday morning, he was Crazy. in glory. Um, just very thief on the cross, you know, but the Lord saves how he will and through whom he will. And, you know, just, I wanted to share it because it's so dramatic. Like most people's stories of God working in our lives is more the, what feels the humdrum, God's helping Mm -hmm. me to be content in where I don't want to be or God's provided for me in some way that uh, doesn't feel like it has eternal significance. But the little ways of being faithful, you never know how at the end they might have eternal significance for somebody else. Um, and, you know, God does work in those dramatic, miraculous ways that are just so cool and encouraging to hear about. Um, I, I got an email that I missed um, just now looking at it. And 
Matthew writes, um, and I'll summarize the story. It's a pretty long email. But eight years ago, he got transferred to a new position with the Coast Guard. He was working on his Coast Guard career. And over the over the, over the the time of the those eight years, he was uh, up for promotion three times. And needed to get the promotion, trying to provide for family, you know, progress in his career. Didn't get any of the, didn't get any of the promotions. Hmm. And then the Coast Guard said, you only have two more years to serve. So, um, he said, uh, he writes, another year, another solid performance, another promotion board. Bad news. My name wasn't on the list. I'm done. Hmm. But God. God didn't step in with a letter from the Coast Guard personnel office this time. It was time to find a job. After years of prayer for God's will to be done in my career, this past Wednesday I was offered a civilian job with the Coast Guard at my current unit with all those civilians that years ago treated me like an afterthought. This was written in March. My solid performances have paid off, and they are impressed and satisfied with my work. Fast forward today, he was just offered, uh, he, he emails that he was just offered a supervisory position last week. So, hmm. um, you know, he's like, the Lord provides. I'm really grateful for all this, even though that eight years has been an incredibly difficult hmm. time of serving, doing well, waiting only to not see a reward and hmm. how, you know, he would see the reward. So that's what Matthew writes too, which is really good. Cool. Yeah. Um, Oh, and that's that's, that's it. all we have for uh, Thanksgiving comments. I'm sure there's a lot more. If you guys want to share those, jump on the Telegram channel. We'll see them. Others will see them. If you want to send them just to us, you can email us at tb2f at pm.me. Or send us a note on our, uh, send us a postcard on our website. Anything else on your list? Uh, kind of no, I don't think sweet. so. Not that short and sweet. Oh, 50 minutes versus an hour six <laughs> ish probably a little less when i get edited well friends thanks for joining us have a very oh fun fact wait i'm not gonna close the show yet i learned a very fun statistic from my 11 year old my no my nine-year-old today from oh boy. Lili. Lili said that more people in america eat more food eat the most food during the super bowl more than Thanksgiving or Christmas. More than Thanksgiving. It's the it's the one day they eat the most food. Period. Uh, the next day is Thanksgiving. Hmm. I bet she learned that from World Watch. I'll bet she learned that from World Watch. If too. you guys, the world does not pay us to say this whatsoever. Uh, we paid World a lot. We of money did pay World. Uh, if you guys have young kids, and by young I mean ages five to six up to probably preteen, maybe even beyond. I, I don't I don't have kids that old, so I don't have a good gauge on it. Their kids world watch is so worth the money. It's entertaining, it's informative, they process the global news in a way that is just so such a service to a Christian parent trying to help their kids understand the world news from a godly perspective. I think if my kids were to, of all the people in the world that my kids admire, Ryan from Ryan's World, like if somebody that they would like go gaga over meeting a celebrity mm-hmm. person, Ryan from Ryan's World, Mr. Beast or Mark Rober from YouTube, yep. and 
the people the from big bash. the big bash <laughs> and not just the big bash there's myrna and there's hannah uh, you know the people that they see regularly as reporters on world watch but i also love it as a parent because it forces me to have conversations with my kids that i'm usually too lazy or too busy or too, too distracted to have so they report in a very gentle way on things like pro-life issues on things like the kyle rittenhouse issue you know verdict on things like afghanistan and other global events that sometimes i do the ostrich thing and just bury my head in the sand and not even discuss anything with my kids because i don't even know where to start but um they and they do they'll say this at the beginning of an episode hey parents this discusses a sensitive topic that might be you know, concerning to you or hard for your kids to listen to if you want to preview this session. And I did a couple of times and I've learned they do such a good job of, of addressing it. It's better for me just to let the kids watch it and have to deal with whatever Mm. questions they have in the end. I've never had a conversation that I don't consider fruitful or helpful, even from the ones that they label as having sensitive content. But anyway, then they learn fantastic things like how much you know, when Americans consume the most food. <laughs> but anyway, if you have kids and you're trying to help them understand the world news, my kids clamor to watch it. It's about five to eight minutes an episode. They put one out every weekday. You can watch a couple at a time to get caught up if you want, but honestly can't say enough good things about World Watch, even without anybody telling me I have to say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Maybe I can try to... Uh... If we do our big East Coast trip, we can swing by the headquarters and see if we can get them to sit in on a filming. <laughs> that that'd be fun. That'd Although be fun. I yeah I would I don't know how they do it anyway. I don't know. Either. Right, well, they film it in front of a green screen. I know that some much. of it. Yeah. Um, right. So I think that's it. You guys eat well. Uh, enjoy enjoy the gifts you have. Enjoy who you're going to spend tomorrow with. Um, what does the end of Ecclesiastes say? It's all vanity and dust. No, that's not the end. <laughs> you know, even in the midst of, of all the struggles, and it's all vanity and dust. Sorry. Oh, but while I'm looking this up, the every episode of World Watch ends with uh, the Big Bash. If he's the one, Ryan Bash something is his Basham. name. Megan so, Basham is his wife, I think. If you guys read World and so stuff, I think the. Um, they always end with saying whatever the news, the purposes of the Lord will stand. But sort of similarly with all of the chaos and depressing stuff going on in Ecclesiastes, the end of the matter is fear God and keep his commands for this is the whole duty of man. Love it. Love it. You guys, you know, enjoy the good things God gives you. So I will enjoy, uh, I will include, uh, that's, that's chapter five. Um, and chapter five, I haven't, I will, um, I've been meditating on that chapter, but that's a whole nother conversation. You guys, I'll include the link for the telegram group at the end, uh, in the show notes, any, any relevant links to the books Molly mentioned and world watch. I'll include that in the show notes as well. If you want to send us an email, you can TB, 2F, that's uh, the number 2F at pm.me, or you can send us a postcard on our website, www.tb2f.com, or too busy to flush, all grammatically correct.com. Uh, and you can also uh, shoot me a text message if you want at 406 318 7136. 
with that happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving you guys